Hey, welcome to the Thundercast, your source for all things SCU sports. Uh, I'm Connor Sanders, your host. Thanks for joining us today. Joined by my co-host, Kelton Jacobson. Kelton, how you doing, man? I'm great. How about you? I am pumped. You're I am pumped? pumped to introduce our very special yes. guest today, the uh, acclaimed writer and reporter for SCU News and future... future uh, We'll see. Well, I don't even know what title to give you, but sports helper, <laughs> Christian Esparza. Christian, my man, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, Christian is going to be helping with the sports section over um, at SCU News next year. And with me graduating, I wanted to, to bring Christian on to kind of pass the torch. See you later, Connor. It's been nice. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> so Kelton will be back next year to help. Man, the Thundercast and Christian will will also be helping to pitch in. But Christian, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Where are you from? What sports are you interested in? Uh, man, I grew up in Brigham City, Utah. It's about an hour north of Salt Lake. Um, I played sports all growing up. I was never very good, but I've always kind of had a passion. Um, I came down here to SU. I originally wanted to go into physical therapy. I was an exercise science major for my first two years, and then... Uh, I just started messing around and taking classes that sounded fun, just more of like a like a pastime to fill credits. And then I started getting really interested in the communication side. And yes. I also happened to get really bored with the with the exercise yeah. science. <laughs> I lost I lost interest real quick. No offense to that, but I it just wasn't for me. So I was like, hey, I'm having real fun over here. I took the SU news class and uh some audio classes and I really, really enjoyed it. Let's but, go. Yeah, here at SU I uh, I, I love watching the football games. Men's, women's basketball were really fun. I even had fun watching volleyball and gymnastics and stuff. So, I must say that you're coming into SU Athletics at a good time. Yeah. Because when I got here, everybody stunk. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's no offense because for the most part, it was all new coaches. And like Todd Simon had only been here for, I think, a year when I got here. So uh, now everything's in the upswing. We just had a perhaps the most successful like all around athletic season in school history maybe yeah well i noticed last night like uh i had a little twitter exchange you saw with yeah. the uh soccer coach uh kai edwards is yeah name, my right? man yeah they're uh winning season for the soccer team like that's super impressive i don't think that's happened in a very long time <laughs> yeah ex- yeah actually that's uh, something we've got on the docket today so for our episode today we wanted to just kind of give a a rundown for all these successful teams that have had uh, pretty solid seasons. Uh, just spend a few minutes on each team. Actually, the goal is to spend five minutes um, on each team that we haven't already dedicated entire podcasts to. So I've got the timer ready here. We're going to go five minutes at a time. Tell me what you're thinking, Kelton. Well, I you, you said we're going to start out with uh, the, the successful teams. This is, yeah. I'm, that was, was an oversight. Listen, I'm sorry, SU football. Going one and five is not a successful season. Okay, I'm hitting start on football. <laughs> okay, you so got five minutes. So if you had the chance to watch SU football this season, it was always um, you win all game, you're winning all game, and you're playing very, very well. And then the fourth quarter happens, and then you somehow let this team come back. And then in the last two minutes of the game, that team scores, they take the lead, they win. Yeah, and that was SU football this season. Last week, SU jumped out to a pretty solid lead in the first half at 14-0, but then, you know, the last possession NAU had of the first half, they let NAU go down and score, and you could yeah. just see SU's attitude on the field just change completely at that point. Yeah, well, all season long, well, SU finished 1-5 and five 
um, in their Big Sky Conference schedule. And yes, the fourth quarter comeback was a common theme uh, that SUU had to deal with this season where, you know, but if you just took the first three quarters of each of these games, you'd be thinking, wow, this is a top 25 team. This is a playoff contender. Um, but yes, they, they struggled in fourth quarters uh, throughout the season. And, and honestly, we thought the schedule broke pretty well for them when the schedule was announced. They got some pretty favorable opponents, uh, showed some signs of life, but um, just couldn't seem to, to push over the top. It felt like when we were in the press box, it just felt like eventually SU was going to find a way to to have something go wrong or to give the game away. And whether that was a 12-man on the field penalty, whether that was untimely fumbles, like SU just could not seem to see the games out. But tell me what you thought, Christian. Yeah, well, it's just tough having that energy. You know, like you said, they're up all game, but it's like after it happens once, their first game against NAU, then it happens a second time, and then it's like, okay, what lead is safe now? And it, yeah. it makes it frustrating to watch as a fan. And what's even more frustrating is – I think most of those uh, kind of blown games came within like the last seven seconds of a game. Yeah, and that, yeah, it was that, on like the final play a few times. Yeah, I remember specifically the game against the uh, the Idaho Vandals. It was oh, their yeah. third string quarterback who led a fifteen play drive <laughs> down the field, and <laughs> he just diced up SU secondary. And it's that kind of speaks. Their secondary struggled all season. Yeah, uh, they only had two interceptions in six games. That what those were their only two takeaways on the season, so that's gonna be something that they're gonna look to fix going into the fall is just getting more takeaways and really that helps the offense out, you know, not putting so much pressure on Justin Miller and uh, everybody else there. Yeah, I think the secondary struggled last season, and I think because of the way they gave up games late, it's kind of easy to think, oh well, the defense stunk, uh, yeah. the defense couldn't get it done. But statistically, actually, the defense was the fifth best in the Big Sky in right. terms of points per game surrendered. Um, you got you had guys like La Kea, uh, who had a fantastic season, who I think is all Big Sky level guy. Mm -hmm. The defensive line, I think, had more sacks than anyone else in the conference. Yep. So uh, it would like the offense would jump out to a lead, and then it was just kind of a war of attrition because the offense couldn't punch it in in the second half, and then the defense just kept having to go back out there right. and try and stop the opponents, and eventually just just. They just couldn't do it. Yeah, like statistically speaking, SEU should have uh, maybe a 500 or maybe above 500 record. Yeah. Um, just statistics They're wise, just in but, the middle of the pack of everything, basically. But when you lose four games in the last seven seconds, like Christian was saying, what was it, four games by a total of seven points or something like, like that? Three games by four points. Three by a total of four points. So, yeah, you, you can't do that. Uh, and and I'm anxious for next season. You're gonna have a lot of returners, hopefully. Um, and Justin Miller looks really, really good. He did look really, really good, like you said, Connor. So yeah. So Miller was third in the, in the conference in passing yards. Um, I thought he had a really good season, especially for a new offensive coordinator. A lot of the responsibility fell to him to kind of figure things out. Um, and I thought he responded very well. Uh, maybe in the fourth quarter, I would like to see them be a little more confident. I actually really liked how Demo handled this season. We just, SU went for it on fourth down all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, they were not afraid of the challenge. They just just couldn't quite get a dime. They very nearly pulled up an upset against Weaver, who was like the best <laughs> team uh, I think they've ever put together. They were the highest ranked that they had been in a long time. Um, and you've got some good returners, like you mentioned. Christiansen's coming back. Brandon Shanks coming back. McLaughlin, it'll, the tight end. It'll be money to have Brandon Shanks back healthy, too. True. 
I mean, he was he was in and out basically all season, but when he was in, I mean, golly, that connection between him and Miller. Yeah, and I I don't have any I didn't really get any sense that uh, that Coach Warren's job would be in trouble or anything like that with this being such an unusual season. Um, I don't think that that's really on the front of anyone's mind. It's not like you're going to turn around and get ready for the fall yeah. with a whole new coach, but uh, I think that's got to be at least kind of sticking in the back of the mind as the timer just goes off. Christian, a final thought on football? Um, one thing I'm excited to see for next year, I want to see what they do to fix their ground game. That's another thing yes. that makes it hard to close out games. If you don't have a ground game to wear down the clock, that's going to kill your offense. And, uh, you know, SEU was being forced to throw in all those late-game situations. And uh, it just helps Justin Miller out and everybody else on the offense if you can pound that ball and basically wear down the clock, uh, that's going to be something they're going to need to fix. Yeah, not sure if there's transfers and stuff going on, but I think that all the offensive line is coming back, and there's at least a couple of running backs that should be back next year. So should be interesting to watch. All right, let's jump over to women's basketball. We we dedicated a whole podcast to the men's basketball team, so we wanted to give women's basketball at least a little bit of shine here. Um, I know their season ended a, quite a while ago, but uh, still finished 11-9, and nine. Um, ended in the quarterfinals of the Big Sky Conference Tournament after losing to Northern Colorado. Kelton, walk us through that women's basketball performance this season. Yeah, um, I think a lot of us were surprised, at least on the media side, um, how well SU performed this season because they had probably the most roster turnover than any other team yeah. uh, at SUU. So they had a ton of roster turnover, but Tracy Sanders is brilliant, um, got that team to buy in, and and for the most part, they did, and and obviously their record shows uh, for that. And then you have you know dominating performances from from Liz Graves, who uh, was all Big Sky second team, and and well deserved there. I still contend she might have deserved a first <laughs> spot, but yeah, uh, we can go into that some other time. But uh, really good season. It was a solid season. It was a fun season. Um, for sure, there are definitely some areas to improve on that I noticed. Though, yeah, when you look at a team that had to replace all five starters um and you had to lean a lot on some young players who and and transfers players that just you know didn't have any built-up chemistry um at all i think that to lose number one you lose maybe the best player in the conference and rebecca cardenas and then you have to go from that to uh <laughs> introducing this all new starting lineup and you still manage to finish above 500 and you deal with more covid con- cancellations than anyone else in the conference mm-hmm. that's a pretty impressive feat to me yeah, it was a really fun season. Um, I did a lot of work doing some broadcasting for Thunder 91, and I was there for some of the really big games. I was there at the GCU game, and they yes. pulled off an 84-83 to 83 win. That was uh, their Epic. second home game of the season. It was so fun to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Dari Franzen hit those clutch free throws at the end, and that I feel like the team had sort of been demoralized after their loss to UVU earlier. Yeah, but then they won that game against ECU, and they, you know, their head coach was hyped up as having one of the best records like in the NCAA in any sport uh, as a coach. But then SU came out and won that game, and it it was just it was so fun to be there. And you guys mentioned Liz Graves; it was so fun, basically as a one year rental. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But <laughs> she she did great things for the team. I'm excited to have Dari back uh, next year. Sharita Doherty; she was really really fun to watch as well. Um, I think Piper Thornberry did some really great things in the minutes that she got. And then obviously Maddie Eaton, I think, is looking to make a big jump. She kind of was a little inconsistent throughout the first half of the season. But there in the second half, she really started coming on and she really became reliable. 
And that's, I think, one of the things yeah. that helped them win a playoff game. And it, it was really, really, really fun to see that. I, I, I'm also on the, the Matty Eaton bandwagon. I, I, I really still wanted, a believer. I'm still a believer. I really wanted her to be successful this season because going into the season, you know, we were told that she was going to be the number one option. Uh, at least, and she was and the first few games. The first few games, she was the only one that would shoot. Yeah. Um. So, uh, and then, like Christian said, she kind of she kind of started to figure it out at the end of the year. I mean, she still was pretty inefficient. You know, she was shooting 15 times a game, maybe connecting on three or four. But hey, you're you're still scoring 12 ish points a game. So, I'm still a Maddie Eaton believer. I think though, Connor, the the thing that SU needed the most this season was a bona fide proven leader. Someone in the in, in the huddles or in the locker room that yeah would just that's where, take over the game. That's where Becca was the most missed. I think was oh we just lost a big game. How do we bounce back? Um, or we just were left in the snow because one of the teams didn't want to play against us. And how do we not lose our heads after such a frustrating thing? Like um, I think uh, the other thing I noticed with the women's basketball team, they just need more offensive options. Like right, it, it was like okay. Charita, run a pick and roll with Liz and, you know, maybe we can get a pin down for her and see if she can post up or something. And if not, Maddie, dribble for a while and see what you can make happen. Like, uh, there were, obviously there's more motion and stuff than that. I'm oversimplifying it intentionally, but I just felt like there weren't enough looks. Like, you, especially in the second half of that uh, final game, you're looking to Alexa Lord for a lot more than I think you were anticipating. Obviously, the team dealt with injuries and the rotation got mixed around, but uh, when you're looking to Alexa Lord to hit one of the biggest shots, or Sam Johnson to hit one of your biggest shots of the season, uh, it speaks to a lack of depth, and they need to to strengthen up that roster. One thing that's going to be interesting to watch next season's like the the final Big Sky season. It's like the I'm calling it the middle finger tour because <laughs> I don't think SGU is going to go out amicably. I think they're gonna they're gonna come out and fight and scrap. They're gonna go for transfers within the conference like we saw with Liz last year. Like not only with the women's basketball program, I think across all of the sports, they're just gonna go and try and win as many championships as they can. All right, that's the timer. Final thought, Christian? Yeah, just like you said, um, they they really finished with a lot to look forward to this year. And it's gonna be really interesting to see what kind of moves they make to attack next season and just come out really strong and let everybody know like hey we we've got a little something to prove yeah absolutely connor connor we're, we're getting into your bread and butter now oh, next, i've been waiting for this for the next months, team on the like. list yes the women's soccer team who had a really solid uh finish to their season had four straight shutouts to close out the year um had one of their i think one of two or three winning seasons that they've had in the last 20 years. This is a program that was like in the bottom of the barrel, like the same way that the men's basketball program was right. when uh, Todd Simon took over. And Kai Edwards, similarly to Coach Simon, has uh, really changed the kind of chemistry and um, identity of this team just in one season. Finished 5-3-1 and one overall, 3-3 three and three in conference play against uh, a pretty good conference schedule there. And... I was pretty impressed with them uh, this season. I thought that uh, especially the young players looked really strong. Jalen Barton and, and Gigi Pagani in that midfield, I thought, just got better and better as the season wore on. The defense is super solid. Like, you know exactly who your starting center back pairing is going to be every mm-hmm. single week with Leong and Kennedy Jex there. Cavisto had a pretty good season in goal. And yeah. then 
the thing that was really exciting to me was the way they attacked the season. Like last year, it seemed like they were scared to go forward because they were scared to get countered against mm-hmm. because they were pretty bad defensively. They had to just throw everybody back to have any chance of surviving the game. But that's not at all been the case with Coach Kai Edwards. They've been much more organized defensively. They can push forward. They can actually combine a little bit and try and get the defense on the back foot without constantly living in fear that sure. <laughs> it's instantly going to lead to a counterattack. I think what's what's awesome about this soccer team, too, is that they're all coming back next season. That's true. At least that's, that's what we're, we're hoping. That's what we're being told. Um, also, I think they have just a little bit of a fire lit underneath them, Connor, because true. they... Uh, the the all big sky teams were released. Uh, what was it yesterday? Or? Yeah, they didn't have a single player. Not a single player. And you thought for sure Kate Shermer should have been on there. And you make the honorable mention team. That's literally the point of the honorable mention team is to so every single team gets at least some kind of shout, right. some kind of mention of hey, in the record books we'll remember this team for this player. Sure. And SU literally got snubbed out of that. They were they were ranked last in the preseason rankings coming in. They ended up finishing third in their division, and uh, they don't even get Shermer, who had two goals and an assist in conference play, doesn't get the nod on the honorable mention team. I thought that was pretty disrespectful. And Jalen Barton, too, who she got onto the score sheet a couple times. She's not the most glamorous player. She just kind of plays as a defensive midfielder. But just the anchor of this team, like only a sophomore was asked to do so much this season. I don't know how the Big Sky coaches don't look at her and be like, oh, yeah, that's one of the 30 best players in the conference or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. So I think... uh, Kai Edwards has got these girls bought in, and I think I think next year should be a pretty big dogfight, um, and I think they should surprise a lot more people. The crazy thing about next year is that they're bringing everybody back, and Coach Edwards told me that they're bringing in four or five freshmen who could potentially compete for starting jobs, and then they're going to be really active in the transfer portal. Um, so I think this, this team, this is they're one of the middle finger tour teams that I think will just come in and beat the heck out of everybody and just really fight hard all season long to to leave a lasting impression on this conference. Yeah, well, and not only, what was their record again when you pull that up? Was it five and three? Yes. So not only did they finish with a winning season, but they finished the season on a four-game win streak. And that's I think that's huge, huge, huge going into next year. Uh, similar to when we were talking about the women's basketball team, they're kind of ending on a high note, finishing way better than they had any right to. Yeah, and you talk about all these moves that they're gonna make, and they're gonna come in and you know just build off of how they finished this year. And uh, soccer, I'm not gonna lie to you, I have not <laughs> been to a single soccer game in You're my good, man. You're good. in my three years here. But I mean, seeing how good that this team finished, it's like I'm I'm gonna have to go. go to I'm gonna have to game. go next year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think soccer, and I don't blame you. Um, historically soccer has been one of the the hardest teams to recruit for and it's so hard just in general to recruit talent here um but soccer is especially difficult like you have to recruit 11 good players to even have to a decent chance of competing basketball you need like seven good guys and four guys with some potential soccer is not like that you need 11 really good players and maybe even 15 or 16 with the way the injuries go and uh they did not have that privilege this season they only had like 18 players. Like they were playing their third string goalkeeper as a striker just to just to soak up some minutes so that the the players who were injured wouldn't have to to play too much. So it was a really tough season for them and they persevered really well. I think that you're right. Uh, I think a lot of more people will be exci- excited about this soccer team going forward. And they're fun to watch, dude. They play hard. Uh the 
soccer, like I said, no commercial breaks. It <laughs> only it point. only lasts two hours. It's you're in and out of the game so quickly. You don't have to sit around for four hours like you in a football game. Soccer's dope. Everyone should watch it. And when you look at the team that lost four zero to UVU in their opening exhibition, and then you look at the team that won in overtime against Idaho State, uh, that's just two completely different squads. So I was really impressed by them. Cam Faro's coming back. She's dope. She's like Hakim Ziyech. Rachel Hunt coming back. There's a lot of good players here. Anyway, that's the timer. We're moving on from soccer over to the gymnastics team. Kelton, this is this is kind of your area of expertise this season. You've really been on this beat. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about the end of the gymnastics season over there for Coach Scotty Bauman. Yeah. Um, I guess you can kind of tell from my, my tone of that, yeah, that, I don't know, soccer, excuse me, gymnastics a little odd because your record doesn't necessarily indicate like how good or how bad you were. So, so SU gymnastics, they finished technically, uh, seven and 13. Um, but I'm just pulling up the rankings now. Still good for national recognition, seven and 13 this year. Yeah. And I'm pulling up the rankings now and they were ranked 21 nationally. Um, they, they were they hit their highest they've ever hit the season, right? They were like, uh, 14 I don't think something. it was their ever uh, as high as they've ever hit, but I think uh, they, it was pretty, it was pretty high. It was at 15. Um, they, they made it up and then, you know, you, you lose some ground when you lose to BYU twice in a row. Um, you know, you had really, really talented gymnasts this year, uh, and you're you're losing a couple really, really talented gymnasts going into next year. Yeah. You're losing Morgan Alfaro, who won the MRGC um, Vault Specialist of the Year, um, so she's she's gone. Uh, that's well, a big miss. Yeah, that, that's that's huge. And she was also the team captain. You're losing Molly Joswiakowski, um, who has been on this team for for four years and does excellent work on the floor. Um, luckily, you're. Con- uh, rem- you you still have your your goat, <laughs> your your Carly McLean, um, who's gonna come back next year. Yo, before we move on too far, I want to plug that the University Journal magazine's coming out, yes. and Kelton wrote a great story about Molly Jazwiakowski. Yeah, her dealing with Crohn's disease. So make sure you check that out. The magazine will be out by the time you listen to this podcast. So go and read that as soon as you hear this. Yes. Keep going, Kelton. Thank you, Connor. Um, and then you had some really really nice wins. You had your biggest uh, win ever. Um, at home yeah. against, oh shoot, was it Utah State? Or they posted. Did they post their highest uh, ever home and road score this against season? Utah State? Yeah, yeah. So they were in Logan. They posted their highest road score, which I believe was one nine six point two two five, and or excuse me, one nine six point six five zero. And then they posted their highest score ever at home against Utah State, which was one nine seven point two seven five. So one ninety seven. That's unreal. So they just had these excellent huge wins and then you know they would just turn around and kind of flop against teams that they probably should have beat so i don't know uh like i said gymnastics is is kind of difficult to 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 judge on um they just had some excellent excellent gymnasts this year and you just wanted to see them at least beat byu yeah that would <laughs> be fun and then take care of business against boise state and and they just couldn't do that at the end of the season I mean, they still made a good run for their money um, at the regional championship. They lost to the number six ranked University of Utah, number eleven ranked University of or Arizona State University, and ASU. They're only like a point and a half behind. That's really thin margins. They they absolutely could have snuck a win there at the Maverick Center with just a couple more performances. So, yeah, uh, you know, you've come to expect a top twenty ranking every year for gymnastics at this point. Um, but with Carl McLean coming back and the way Coach Bauman's always bringing in new talent, I'm sure they will be able to build on this successful season next year. 
One thing I love about gymnastics is they always come out and perform at home. Uh, there, I believe they were three and one at home this year, and it's just it's one of those sports where like I feel like home advantage really really does matter, especially for the flipping T birds. Like yeah. I, I just feel like I I don't think I've ever been to a home meet where they lost. Um, <laughs> like that's that's honestly what it feels like. They and, always come yeah. out and perform at home, and it's, there's a it's different energy at gymnastics events than there is at any other athletic event on this campus yeah the fans are just like way more invested it's just yeah you're totally right well like you said we come to expect top 20 program in the nation every single year and sometimes we take that for granted like yeah it sucks 7 and 13 overall but like realistically they are a very very good program and yeah they, and they, they were competing been. on the road against the best programs in the country like taking extra meets against the university of denver just for fun why not why don't we just go down to arizona real right. quick and beat the tar out of them like yeah and and the fun thing about gymnastics too well i don't know if this is a fun thing but maybe interesting at least is um it's one of those sports where you don't necessarily get better the longer you're in college it's actually the opposite of that it's right? kind of the opposite uh you're you're probably your best is your so in your freshman sophomore seasons um just because gymnastics is so hard on the body man yeah and that's why you don't see yeah. 35-year-old gymnastics. Everyone retri- retires at 22, right? Yeah, like. exactly. So, um, and, and you saw that this year with Aubrey Schwartz. Uh, she was she was named the MRGC Freshman of the Year. So that was really, really cool. So you, And you know that, like Christian said, with a top-tier program like this, you're going to get some excellent recruiting uh, done. And, and Coach Scotty's just amazing at it, and he's been doing it for 30 years. So I, I don't see any reason why gymnastics should fall any uh, I think they're going to continue to be one of the top programs in the nation. I agree. Um, and one thing, too, that I wanted to mention about gymnastics is that um, <clears throat> their season was canceled. They had, like, a meet the next day. They they were going to compete against BYU, and they were thinking about, do we do it with our fans? And then ended up just being all the sports were canceled. And uh, Scotty mentioned that the period after season, well, at the end of your season, for the competitors that aren't a part of the main rotation, that's when they're learning all their new skills and tricks for the next season. Mm-hmm. So to have that period of time canceled for gymnastics was especially difficult. All right, let's move on to our last team. So for them to perform so well despite that, it's very impressive. Anyway, last team, the SDU volleyball team who made a run to the uh, conference semifinals of the Big Sky um, <laughs> in the tournament. Uh, they'd actually never even won a set at the Big Sky Conference tournament before this season and then they make not only do they win a set but they win uh their first round matchup and are able to make it into the semifinal um where they lost to northern colorado who is i think won the tournament last year so they beat montana state in the first round Uh, overall they finished nine and eight um and i must say that this volleyball team really surprised me Uh, i not to say that i didn't think they were going to be good because coach Hoyer always has a really disciplined team but when you lose an all-conference second-team player like Shannon Webb, and uh, and then the first game of the season they got swept by Dixie State, I was like, oh, maybe this team has really really took a step back. But yeah, uh, I had that same feeling. Yeah, and then uh, as the season wore on, they just got better and better. Talk about a team that performed well at home. They were eight and one at right. their home arena. Um, tell me about this volleyball team, Christian. Well, I believe this was their first winning record in the Big Sky. Since yes. they joined the Big Sky, yeah. their first winning record, uh, I think, in over ten years. Um, I do want to mention newcomer Andriana McKee. Yes, uh, she was shout fantastic. out to Andriana. We actually went to high school together. Um, I'm I wasn't super close with her, but like <laughs> I I know her a little bit. So yeah. it was really cool to see her come in and be so so big for the Thunderbirds, especially in that playoff win 
Uh, she was man, huge. She was she was so good there in the in the last few games of the season. It was it was really awesome to see her come out and perform the way she did. Yeah, and Stacy Hone also uh, just top level performer. I think Stacy was named to the All Conference Second Team. Um, and like I said, I just Krim Peterson's another one of those. Krim Peterson like didn't even want to play volleyball <laughs> in college. Like they were just looking for a setter, and uh, like and she just kind of ended up here on a whim. And she's become one of the best setters in the conference. And the thing that's crazy about uh, the volleyball team to me is the way that Coach Hoyer has gone about his roster building. Like, he's had to basically get Snow College transfers or JUCO transfers or people he knew from North Carolina. Like, he hasn't really, uh, he hasn't gone through the typical, like, you know, get a bunch of freshmen in, we'll suck for a year, and mm-hmm. then everyone will get better and we'll just keep getting better and better. He's, he hasn't had that luxury. He's had a lot of players who have left. He's had to bring players in from other schools. And he has managed all these different personalities beautifully. And those those players like really believe in him. They really buy in. You can tell how much it means to them. They hustle hard. And uh, to scrap out a win against Montana State, who is a very good, very solid defensive team, uh, that was very impressive to me, especially on that big stage in the conference tournament. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Corinne Peterson too, Connor. She she was third in the Big Sky in assists. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, she and she was very effective <laughs> at it, obviously. Um and I the 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 games that I got to had the chance to go to, it really was just fun to watch them at home. Particularly, yeah. what five and one at home, I believe six and one, six and one at home. Um, didn't win a road game, but I mean, I won't I won't get too crazy about that. But um, it happens. It happens. It, it's a it's a difficult. Well, sport, and the so. other thing too, the Big Sky kind of. Let's just say that the teams on the fringes. The non-revenue teams, they're the ones that are really paying for this big sky move. They're for SUU's move to the WAC. Because SUU got all of the easiest games this season at home and all of their toughest road games. All of their toughest opponents they had to play, they all were on the road. Mm-hmm. That was true for the volleyball team. That was absolutely true. Well, maybe not absolutely true for soccer because they got NAU at home. But they would have had to go to Weber and Northern Colorado. Like, yeah, the the big sky did volleyball no favors. <laughs> I was just going to say, too, that from top to bottom, though, I, it seemed like a very solid season and they did just have solid players like you mentioned christian with adriana mckee stacy hone elisa lago had a great year yeah um, dude i think she led unbelievable she led the big sky and aces i believe yes um she was huge and she and she like barely ever played in her four previous seasons here right and and mackenzie dowell she would come in and she would just make a big play after big play. Yeah, when she they missed a lot it. of time due to injury, but really came on strong as right. the season as the season on. as the season ended. She was she was huge and she was huge in that Montana State win as well. So, yeah, I, I got no complaints about women's volleyball this season. Uh, they did an excellent job. Yeah, I think uh, I'm not sure if people are sticking around or what the situation is. They've got plenty of experience there, so there will be kind of some rebuilding if Stacy Hone and. Lago, Lee, for example, but uh, still plenty to build around with Peterson and the rest of the team there. Um, but anyway, that's that's it for today's show. We'll, we'll be excited to watch the Middle Finger Tour next season as SU says goodbye to the Big Sky Conference. I anticipate a lot of dirty challenges in soccer and a lot of post-game handshakes being really weird and strange and but it's going to be really fun. I hope SU is able to claim some silverware on their way out. That would be hilarious. I hope they do too. I I'm ex- I'm I'm extremely excited for just the the anxiety that comes with your exit tour. Yeah. So I like it. The middle finger <clears throat> tour. That's I, I, I'm not going to be here next year, so I have no uh, 
journalistic allegiance to stay neutral. I, that's absolutely to me is the middle finger tour. They're going out two middle fingers high. Frick this conference. We're going to the <laughs> whack. Frick you, Montana. You've been disrespecting See us you this, later. the entire time we've been here. You've been mean to us. Yeah, we're out of here. Yeah, I, I I think too, and and I I won't touch on this too long, but uh, you hope that some COVID restrictions are done and away with, and so that you can have um. So you can have some fans. Yeah. And sure. I mean, we had some fans this year, but like. That was, we didn't talk about that. That was a huge advantage for SU or SU this year. Compared to a lot of other to places. A lot of other places. Yeah. They didn't have fans. And, but I, I just, next year, I'm just excited for it. That's all. That's all. Yes. That's all I'll say. So be sure to tune in uh, to Kelton and Christian's coverage of SU athletics this year. And we'll have one more episode of the Thundercast coming out uh, before this year ends, so be sure to tune into that. That's going to be Connor's That's going to be my farewell. <laughs> middle finger tour. Not, not that, last, finger. that last episode. Much more amicable than uh, the SCU middle finger tour. But Christian, final thoughts before we close this out, Sucker? Yeah, just uh, it's awesome how every sport we covered, you know, we have reason to look forward to next year. Not just because it's the middle finger tour, but, you know, they all ended with things to look forward to. So yeah. that's that's always great. Uh, it's a great way to end the year, and it's like, it, it makes me proud to be a T-Bird, and it, it's fun. It's fun. I'm excited. And, yeah, we didn't even mention the cross-country team who was, like, <laughs> de-seeded the number two team in the country <laughs> in the Big Sky Conference Tournament. So, anyway, thank you so much for listening. A fantastic year for SU Athletics. We will be back next week for our final episode of the Thundercast of this year. But thank you so much for listening, and we will be seeing you then. Bye. Bye.